My guest today on today's episode of the A Word of Good podcast is Kate Usher. Kate is a menopause and relationships coach who works with professional ambitious women who want to successfully create, develop or maintain their relationships during this phase of intense and unpredictable change in their lives. Kate believes that in an ever-increasingly connected world, successful relationships are at the core of every great partnership, whether that's professional or personal. The menopause not only challenges how women view themselves, but also their ability to interact and communicate at the level they took for granted before this phase began. Relationships come under pressure, which can be damaging for women's careers and private lives. Kate works with menopausal women to enable them to manage their symptoms, re-establish who they are, and clarify how they wish to live their life as they enter the second phase of their womanhood. Kate also works with colleagues, managers, and partners of menopausal women to create understanding and empathy and develop communication and support strategies. Prior to becoming a menopause coach, Kate was a global change manager for FTSE 100 companies, managing major corporate transformation projects across multiple disciplines and continents, deploying excellent relationship management, influencing, and communication skills. Kate currently joins me as a founding member of the Engage Success Thought Action Group on Wellbeing, so I'm delighted today to welcome Kate Usher. Hi Kate, how are you? I'm well, how are you Gethin? Very good, thank you, very good. Um, so thank you for taking the time to join us today. Um, the menopause is clearly something we've started to see so many more organisations starting to look at. Um, I believe as of March 2019, even the CIPD had issued guidance for employers on menopause at work. Um, yeah. But for anyone that doesn't know what it is, what is the menopause? Okay, well, essentially the menopause is when um, a woman stops having periods for 12 months um, and then she becomes postmenopausal. So she she stops being able to have children, um, and then she starts her postmenopausal years. But what we call the menopause, <clears throat> excuse me, is the whole um, process, and that is three separate stages. So you have your perimenopause, which is essentially the bit around, is that that's what it's called. Um, so the, the lead up to when you have your last period, and then your menopause medically is the 12 months and a day that you have no periods, and then you become postmenopausal. So your menopause actually can only be defined in retrospect, because obviously you can only tell you've been um, you've not had a period for 12 months once that's happened. Um, but socially, we call the whole experience the menopause. And what kind, does that kick in at different ages? Or is that is that largely predictable or can it happen any time for women? Um, it can happen pretty much any time. Uh, the average age in the UK to have your menopause, so the point at which you become postmenopausal, is 51 um, and you can be experiencing uh, symptoms for, on average, seven years before and a number of years afterwards. So that's about 25% of your career. But the important thing to notice is that, obviously, that takes you into your mid to early 40s. But one in 100 women have their menopause before the age of 40. 
And equally, if you have a medical menopause, so it's brought on by um, cancer treatment or a hysterectomy, you can have that any time of your life. And, and there is, of course, the, the few um, girls who have premature ovarian insufficiency um, who can have their menopause in their teens. So it, it can happen at any time, although it is rare, um, but generally women start to experience their menopause sort of mid-40-ish. And that's really interesting what you said there about the fact that it could obviously affect 25% of a woman's working life. That's quite significant. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's huge. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons that organisations are now starting to, uh, to take note of it, because there are more women in the workplace. And um, at 25% of your career, and on average, that's when you're at your most able, at your most valuable to the organisation, because you have the greatest longevity of service in, in um, an industry and possibly in that organisation. So just as men, when you're at that age, you are at your peak and you're starting to push on into the next level of management and maybe into board level. So um, it is important, if you look at it like that, that at 25% of a woman's career, we start to help women through this phase. Mm. And we, we know from all the other podcasts we've recorded uh, already for this series, just how much poor well-being affects people's ability to do their job and, and do it well. Um, mm -hmm. You became a menopause coach because of your own experiences. Can you tell us a little bit about those, please? Yeah, um, I my menopause really started a few days after my 46th birthday. Um, and uh, I had my first night sweat and I thought I was going to spontaneously combust. I had no understanding of what it was like. Uh, and, and they just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And it was devastating. My menopause completely robbed me of the person that I knew myself to be. Um, I had numerous symptoms, very severely. So I had depression, anxiety, weight gain, insomnia, uh, mood swings. Uh, the list is, is quite extensive, plus the, the ubiquitous, for me, hot flushes and night sweats. But um, not every woman has those. But yes, it was, it was utterly devastating. And, um, and I think that the, one of the saddest things is that we as women arrive at this phase in our life with very little education and knowledge about what the menopause is. So therefore, when it does happen and we do get severe symptoms then um, when we're not armed with the ability to manage it. And so um, we've seen, um, as I mentioned, the you know big organisations like the CIBD are now getting people to talk about menopause at work and helping issue guidance for employers. Historically, so kind of before the last maybe 12, 18 months when people have started talking about the menopause at work, where did any of this information come from? So where, where would a line manager have found out about obviously the significant impact it can have on somebody's life. I'm smiling and you can't see that um, because the, the availability of information prior to that, so prior to about 18 months ago, was very scarce. Um, and, you know, a lot of Googling and a lot of asking around and 
the occasional horror story on um, daytime TV. And really, that was very much it. Um, and even the medical profession doesn't have a great deal of information. So it's it was very, very difficult to find. So it's no wonder that organisations didn't have anything in place. But equally, workplaces are a social, they're a reflection of our greater social comfort or discomfort with subjects and that goes right across the well-being board even in finance so for yourself but it the menopause was not something that we discussed it was not an open topic and therefore the workplace reflected that and the fact that it's it's changing socially means that it's changing in the workplace as well so you know, the, the reason the CIPD came in and before that, the Faculty of Occupational Medicine, um, that they started providing information was because there was, there was very little out there. Um, there was um, a government report that came out um, a few years ago and uh, that was really the first major piece of information. I think it's fascinating to hear, and I know you and I have talked about this kind of stuff before, but you know, my only ever exposures to what the menopause was and how it might affect uh, a woman was when I remember my mother came home one day having had an argument with a neighbour because the neighbour doesn't believe that the menopause existed. And my mum came home quite annoyed. Um, and it was only then that I think I had a very brief conversation with my mum about kind of what it was. Um, yeah. And it was shortly after that, I ma went on to a job where I was managing 20 people, at least three of which were in that kind of age range of kind of 40 to 50 uh, or 40 mm. to mid 50s who were probably going through or experiencing some of those symptoms and i had just really found out at the age of kind of 23 what it actually was and that was very very light touch what is the menopause and how does it affect women you know i've learned significantly more through you in the yeah. last year or so than than i have from anywhere else yeah, and I, I, you know, that's that's so common. When I speak to women and they find out what I do, and I tell them, you know, what the menopause is and the the you know, the range of symptoms and the differentiation in severity, etc., and they are astounded, absolutely astounded, and quite shocked and a little bit scared, um, because it's you know it's not something that we've we really do talk about you know the fact that your mum talked to you about it is is rare my mum didn't talk to me about it in fact when I asked my mum she said oh gosh no you don't want to talk about that and really that's the way women were they kind of it was relegated to hushed tones in the shadows um and that's about it really. So it, it wasn't a topic that we talked about and we still really don't have a narrative out there for women to introduce it into a conversation and to express how it feels. And on the comment of the fact that the menopause doesn't exist, it's um, because everybody's menopause is completely unique to them. It's as unique as your fingerprint, essentially. There are three key variables. So duration, it, for some women, it's a year to two years and it's done. For others, it goes on and on and on, and it goes on for like 15 years. So you've got from one extreme to the other. 
there's also symptoms and there's a list of about 38 to 40 symptoms and that list is essentially growing as we understand more and more of the impact of hormones on women's bodies um, so those uh, the women can have one and they can have many just like I did um, and lastly severity so the severity is they could be vaguely annoying um, or they could be completely devastating and 25% of women don't have any symptoms or, or at least to the point at which they recognize them 50% of women have some symptoms and they can, with some assistance, they can manage them. And the remaining 25%, which sadly I was a member, have very, very extreme symptoms and it is totally debilitating. So it is the huge range of variants has made it, if you put that into the workplace, very complicated for HR departments and occupational health to, to create um, policies that incorporate that level of variance. It's, it's incredible. It has been very, very difficult for them to do that in an empathetic and understanding way. And I guess we've put, um, you know, there's a lot of attention now paid to things like stress and depression, anxiety at work. And obviously, you know, two of those are symptoms of the menopause. So as you said, it might not be really easy to draw a straight line between why a woman is feeling a certain way um, at work, you know, the root cause might be menopause without anyone really knowing. No, and um, it's a very common misconception that um, that depression and anxiety in this age group is literally just depression and anxiety. And therefore it is given that, you know, doctors happily give um, antidepressants um, and sadly, that's not always the right route. It could, of course, be depression. And, that, that, uh, you know, I'm not medically trained and therefore I wouldn't be able to draw that conclusion. But for a lot of women, it is hormonally based and that needs to be addressed first. Um, and the Samaritans reported that uh, last year, the the highest rate of suicide is in women from 45 to 49 and in the year before it was 50 to 54 so this key age group of menopausal experience or symptoms is devastating to women and um and it needs to be recognized as a, a, the root of a lot of these problems instead of it just being something else um, and with some of the research I've been doing prior to, to this um, podcast recording, I found that it was reported six in 10 menopausal women say their symptoms have had a negative impact on their work. What kind of yeah. examples have you seen where the menopause has affected someone's job? Okay, so um, without being too specific about some of the symptoms, uh, the obvious one that everybody thinks about is hot flushes. And as I said before, not everybody has one. But, or has them at all. So 97% of women who do have the, have symptoms have hot flushes, but it's not absolutely the core of it. Um, so if you're, let's say, for instance, you're a, a pilot or a surgeon, where we expect, we the public, expect you to be calm, cool, collected, on top of it, 
um, and then you're sweating it out in front of people, we, the public, feel very uncomfortable with that because our assumption is, is that you're nervous or you're, you're in some way not feeling very confident yourself about what's going on. Um, and uh, we, as you were saying about drawing a straight line, we draw a straight line from, oh my God, they're sweating to everything's going terribly wrong very, very quickly. And, um, and equally, uh, surgeons, if they're in the middle of, of an operation and they start sweating, their team starts to feel um, very uncomfortable about it. So also a number of the symptoms mean that you have to excuse yourself from the room. Um, and uh, so if a woman is giving a presentation or delivering some training and she has to continually say, oh, you know, just comfort break, I'm just going to leave the room, um, that is not always seen positively. Um, and also outbursts. So if a woman is suddenly bursting into tears or getting very angry or stroppy with um, a number of team members or other managers, then that is highly detrimental to their professional persona. I mean, bearing in mind that women have spent 20 years building up this career and then suddenly they're bursting into tears or screaming and shouting at someone and, and that 20 years is immediately forgotten. Likewise, if they're in, in a position where they're having to, to talk to other people and they have memory loss and loss of verbal recall, so what can happen there is you open your mouth and nothing comes out. In fact, the whole sentence has disappeared names, places, um, things that people would previously have nailed, suddenly they, they just can't. And it devastates their, their confidence in themselves and their ability. And that equally has a spiraling effect. I mean, it's got this huge knock-on effect where it affects women's confidence and then they get, they, they're unable to sleep because they're very stressed and then they eat too much and then they put on weight and that affects their confidence. It's ridiculous how how all consuming it can be. But the, I mean the symptoms are huge and um and they they do affect women very, very much. And because women are not um isolated, you know, they don't work on their own and they interface with other people. Um they vicariously experience the um, menopause as well and lots of those things that you mentioned um kind of become a bit self-fulfilling as well don't they so if you are if you feel yourself getting kind of a hot flush or your face is going red whilst you're giving a presentation that feeling as we all know starts to make you feel more kind of put off and slightly embarrassed and things like that and that affects your ability to continue to perform um, yeah. and, I'm, and i'm sure lots of people listening can probably think of examples where they probably haven't given a wide birth to a woman who's experiencing perhaps these kind of symptoms and actually have gone straight to the root of actually that person might be a bit incompetent because they're forgetting things or um, yeah. they're not um, performing in the way that we'd expect them to be uh, as if women haven't already got a fight on their hands to do that kind of stuff in the workplace anyway. Absolutely and I think that leads us on to one of your one of the other points is which is that um education is very much 
the key here. And if you've in, if you educate your workforce into what the menopause is and what the obvious signs are, um, then when a team member or a manager does start to show signs of that, then there is an it's a normalised conversation that the women can have or their team members can have when someone can say, you okay? Um, and is there anything I can get you? Would you like some cold water or something along those lines? I mean, just one small piece of education can go an extremely long way um, in, in making sure that women are supported in the in the workforce, but also that they can maintain their careers. Um, because 10% of women, um, it's reported, leave the workforce completely because of the severity of their symptoms. Wow. And so that so that education piece is obviously important um, because as you've mentioned, lots of areas of wellbeing, and we cover them all pretty much on this podcast series. Mm. Um, are very taboo you know there are things we don't like talking about you know mental health has come a long way but that was something that people shied away from you know people didn't want to talk about the fact that you might have somebody who had a serious mental health issue in your company people don't like talking about money that's still probably uh, a, a big taboo um and yeah. as you mentioned this kind of stuff um is clearly a taboo subject probably especially for men um and I imagine we're still in a position where men are mostly in managerial positions. So if somebody has a manager, it's probably at the moment, unfortunately, more likely to be a man who isn't aware of this stuff, who isn't aware of all the stuff we've just talked about, doesn't understand some of those symptoms and doesn't understand remotely probably how they can help. Absolutely. And um, managers, male managers, and even, you know, young, young women who are managers or women who are yet to go through it can be very, very uncomfortable at the suggestion of having a conversation with women about this. Now, if a, there's, there's two sides to this, essentially. If a woman has come forward and said, I'd like to have a conversation with you, it's going to be about the menopause. Um, then as a manager, congratulate your team member for caring enough about their career in order to have brought the subject up. They have made a huge step to do that. Um, but the other side of it is, is that women don't want to talk about the complexities of their rep reproductive system. They just want support. And our concern is around that they're going to say something that we will find excruciatingly embarrassing. And most women, in fact, I've never met one that wants to talk about a man, to a manager about, you know, the intricacies of their system. Um, and therefore, uh, it's, it's not going to be that type of conversation. If when a, when a team member comes and says, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm going to have a baby, we don't feel that sense of discomfort. We, you know, we say, oh, well done, congratulations, and all that kind of stuff, because we understand the limitations of it. But it is because we don't understand the boundaries and the limitations of this conversation that, that managers tend to get very, very uncomfortable. And it is about understanding that and also having a go at some of those conversations, how going through some coaching, understanding how to have a conversation of this nature and how to support women. 
and organisations in turn need to provide managers A, with that support and B, with the information that they need in order to deliver that support. Um, so there needs to be a visibility of a menopause policy, there needs to be um, uh, availability of that information and the fact that it, it's, it's easy for the manager to access, it's easy for the, the women to access and also you know, if, if a team member does want to have a conversation with a woman that they feel that they can or they can, you know, or they can guide someone to the right location for, for that information. And it is all about getting over that discomfort. So we, as you say, there has been tremendous discomfort over mental ill health, over finances, um, personal finances. So it's, these things are part of our lives and we don't leave them at the security gate we you know we bring them in with us and therefore it's really important that organizations recognize that the people who work for them are not automatons that they are complete individuals and sometimes they need some help excellent well i think that's a really good note to end on i have one final question for you before you go so what do you do yourself that you think has the most positive impact on your own well-being? Exercise. <laughs> I run. I run three times a week. Um, and um, I only took that up last year at the age of 50. And, um, and I completely changed the way that I eat. And um, I, rec I recognise in myself that if I'm not running, then I, I start to feel uh, uncomfortable. And it's good for my head and it's good for my body, which in turn is good for my head. So it's, uh, it's a win-win situation. Excellent. Good stuff. So if anyone wants to speak to you or get any more information about menopause and menopause at work, they can find you on Twitter at Second Phase Women. Second is the numerical two and ND. And they yeah. can also find some more information at Second Phase, which is the word spelt S-E-C-O-N-D-Phase.co.uk. Um, yeah. We also, this podcast is going out on the 18th of October, and actually that is um, World Menopause Day. Um, and so um, people will be able to find lots of information, I'm sure, on that day um, on all these different channels. Oh, my goodness. It will be it will be intense on that day. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. Good to speak to you. Uh, take care, Kate. Thank you, Gethin. Take care. Have a good day. Join the workplace wellbeing discussion online by tweeting your thoughts and questions to at World of Good Book. Thank you to my guests today and thank you for listening.